0: day for blessing us each and every day and father we thank you for the divine word of God that you've given to us father by special direction of the spirit of God uh, to men upon the earth father to write words from heaven to bless us and to increase our lives and to cause us to be stable strong healthy father and and good followers of your plan and will for our lives and so father we thank you for that we give you the praise and the honor for lord in jesus name amen well, praise God. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14. We'll, we'll uh, get started there tonight. We've been going through really the, just the chapter 14. We've taken kind of a side journey in um, in the process of prayer, which was kind of a side journey of the book of Ephesians, right? So we're like on a side, side journey here. Um, but the, most the, major, the majority of 1 Corinthians 14 is talking about uh, the prayer of tongues. And we know just from the context of the chapter that There's two uses for the prayer of speaking with other tongues. One is for your personal private use in your in your own prayer life. And it's a good uh, prayer to uh, uh, to use, especially if you don't know how to pray. Then that's a good way to pray, because uh, we know that the Bible says that that the that the spirit gives us the words to utter in other tongues. And so if he's given us the words to utter, then. When we don't know how to pray, then that should be the most effective prayer that you can pray if you pray the exact words of the Lord. And so, uh, so and you can do that anytime you want to. And, and I would encourage you, you know, really anytime you pray, uh, spend some amount of time of your prayer time in uh, praying in other tongues because um, it's, like I said, it's the perfect prayer. But it also, we had read earlier that, uh, that uh, the Bible says that if he, he who speaks with another tongue edifies himself. So it's good to build yourself up to strengthen you and really to strengthen your inner man, your, your spirit man. So it's good to pray in other tongues. And, you know, I was thinking about what Brother Hagin had said one time years ago. He said that, uh, that he attributes the success of his ministry more than anything else to the time that he spent praying in other tongues. Uh, because there's so much, um, you know, if you look at a lot of ministries, it seems like the, the, it's so often for those ministries to kind of go sideways. You know, they kind of start out good. But then after a while, they seem to uh, almost become a machine, right? It's got some inertia that they can't change. It's just maybe they get off track in their doctrine or get off track in, in some specific kind of odd thing. And uh, they, don't, they don't know how to recover from that. And part of the reason they do that is because they don't spend enough time praying out of the tongues. They, they end up doing things that they seem to seem like, well, we need to do this in the natural realm. And they get stuck in the natural realm, and they don't really know how to get out of that. And if they had spent time praying in other tongues, uh, many times you can avoid that because the Spirit of God will lead you and, and guide you and direct you as, you as you pray in other tongues. So uh, it, it's just helpful to you in your personal life. It's helps you helpful to you in whatever you do. And I've seen so many people make rash decisions in their lives that I know, you know, I, I wouldn't tell them that, but I know just because I know the Word of God, I know the Spirit of God, that it'll end up being a shipwreck for them if they continue in that path. Uh, and many times they would have avoided that if they had spent time in, in praying in other tongues prior to making that decision. Uh, and so, you know, I'd always encourage you before you make any major decisions in life, you know, spend some time praying in other tongues because the Lord desires to lead you, doesn't he? He said he would lead us and guide us into all truth, that the Spirit of God would lead us into all truth. Uh, well, one of the ways that he would lead us in all truth is praying in other tongues and, and as we pray that out. Uh, and so it's just a good... Uh, a good use of a benefit and a blessing the Lord has given to us. It's supernatural. It comes from heaven. Uh, And uh, how many people in a church does the Lord desire to speak in other tongues? The whole church, right? Not just the Pentecostals, right? Not just the crazy people. Uh, The whole church, right? Uh, He intends and desires for the whole church, right? So every Methodist, every Baptist, every Presbyterian, every Catholic, every, you know, uh, there's a few maybe, you know, I don't know, you know, I mean, if, if, if they can get speak of other tongues, you know, but I know, uh, you know, I, I probably know somebody in nearly every major denomination that speaks with other tongues. Uh, and so uh, it's to their advantage uh, to do that. It, it's uh, uh, and it's the desire of the Lord. You know, he gave us that tool. It's just like some people saying, well, I don't believe in reading the Bible. Would any Christian say that? Well, why not? Because we know the Lord desires us to read the Bible. So we would never say anything as as kind of crazy and offhanded as that. Uh, well, there's no use in reading the Bible. It doesn't help anything. Now, I've heard people say things like that. They're, You know, generally immature Christians don't really know much. But any any Christian that's that's been around for a while would never say anything like that. Uh, but I've heard many Christians, you know, people that have been in the church for many years, say, there's no need in praying in other tongues. It's not for me. I don't even believe it's for us today. Uh, and it's really... You know, the Lord gave us the word of God, which is always the highest uh, thing that he's given to us, really. Uh, But he also, you know, gave us the spirit of God. Uh, And uh, the head of the church chose to do it that way. And if the head of the church, the Lord Jesus has chosen to provide us both the written word and also really the spoken word, which is the spirit of God, because he speaks to us words from heaven, doesn't he? So it's really the spoken word that he gave to us from heaven. Uh, And yet if we reject that, then we've rejected half of Half of the way that the Lord desires to lead us, Amen. Uh, and I never have understood, you know. To me, uh, of course, I didn't know any of the stuff when I got born again. I didn't even know, you know. To be honest, I, I really didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. I never really knew that that was, you know. I knew the Father, and knew Jesus, or I knew of them, you know. I mean, that's. But I never really knew the Holy Spirit, and sure didn't know the purpose and the intent of the Holy Spirit. And then as I as I grew up in the Lord. Uh, of course, we went uh, when I first got born again, we were going to a spirit filled church. So uh, as they started teaching about that, I just assumed that when they read the word of God, that, that was correct and accurate. I didn't never question that. Well, that can't be for us today uh, because it's kind of obvious from the context of reading the book of the, the New Testament that the spirit of God, the desire for the Lord is for the whole church to be baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking other chunks. And and um, uh, and yet. Uh, there's a lot of controversy about that, isn't there? I mean, there are people that would visit our church and find out that we speak it over the tongues and would never come back, only because of that. Uh, and I find that odd, you know. I mean, I think the Lord gives us pretty good revelation around here. You know, we have good revelation of the Word of God to overcome, to be successful in life. We have a good presence of the Spirit of God in, um, uh, in praise and worship. You know, we do things, you know, we eat, you know, thing. I mean, uh, you know, I think we have a great church, you know, and we do have a great church. Uh, and, um, and yet some people will not go to a church just because we believe in speaking with other tongues or believe in uh, praying for the sick or, you know, any, any of the supernatural things that the Lord's given to us. Uh, and, um, uh, and I never have understood that. You know, I mean, I, I can recognize it. I can see it. But when I compare that mentality from what the Bible clearly states and, and teaches, I just don't understand why there's such resistance to the supernatural aspects of God. Uh, And um, I mean, I know there's an enemy of mankind out there. I mean, I understand all those things. But at the end of the day, you know, we're supposed to be humble servants of the Lord. And a humble servant would read the word of God and say, that's not what I'm doing. But your word says that's what I should be doing. So therefore, I'm going to start doing that today. Uh, And so uh, and that should be a kind of a normal part of our life. Right. So we read the word of God. while. I'm not doing that. Maybe I should start. Right. Uh, And so this chapter is really kind of a a, a dissertation by, by Paul of speaking with other tongues. And part of the reason for that is because uh, we actually got down to um, uh, verse 32 here. Uh, in that, and we'll just read verse 31 in First Corinthians 14. It says, uh, For you may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophet are subject to the prophets. Uh, and so uh, earlier on, he said, uh, uh, let the prophets speak two or three. Uh, and in verse 27... If any man speak in an own tongue, let it be by two or the most three. So what was he doing? Uh, well, if you read verse 33, you understand why he's doing all these things. Verse 33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. So in the Corinthian church, apparently there's a lot of confusion in how they were running their services. So, uh, you know, if you look at uh, uh, the, the whole context of chapter 14, sometimes they just speak in tongues the whole time. And you'd have visitors come in. They'd be like, well, what's going on? You know, they're all praying out of the tongues. You know, I, I remember when I would travel some, I, I would try to visit churches on occasion. And I was in France one time and I went to a church. They had church service on that Sunday night. So I'll, I'm going to go go to church, right? So I, I go in this building and, you know, a lot of these churches, they're ancient. You know, they're hundreds of years old, these stone buildings, you know. and And so I kind of sit in the back and, it's real quiet, you know. I mean, nothing's, nobody's saying anything. It was kind of odd. And then uh, they had kind of pews there. And then, then up at the front of the church, they had like choir lofts, but they were kind of facing each other. They weren't facing a congregation. They were kind of rotated and facing each other. And there was full, full of people. And nothing was going on. And then all of a sudden, they would uh, kind of stand up, chant some things in, in, lang- in a language, you know. I wasn't sure if it was French. It could have been Latin, you know. I wasn't quite sure. I mean, I, I don't understand a lot of French, but I understand enough to know that it's French. And then he sat back down. And then nothing. And we waited a few minutes, you know. They did the same thing. They got back up, chanted some things, you know. And no nobody's There's no pastor or minister up front. Um, and they sat back down. And this has been on for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, I guess. And I just kind of get up and walked out the door, right? I mean... <laughs> i you know, I don't know what's going on. Don't know what, you know, not really a part of this. Nobody came up and introduced themselves to me or anything. Uh, and, um, and so I kind of exited out the door, you know, and, that, and so I understand if you walk to a church and that's what they were doing, you know, everybody's speaking a language, you know. If you're from Tennessee and, and you walk into a church and they're all speaking some language that you don't understand, you know, would you stick around? Probably not. You know, I wasn't afraid or anything. I wasn't afraid they're going to jump out at me and grab me or anything. But so there was a lot of confusion in the Corinthian church you know, they would just do things like that and just have kind of uh, wild services and, you know, maybe a bunch of people would pray in other tongues and then maybe uh, it sounds like sometimes maybe everybody would prophesy, right? A whole bunch of prophets would prophesy. Uh, and, you know, prophecies for edification, exhortation and comfort. Uh, but, um, you know, if it gets out of balance, then, you know, maybe it's not always prophecy, right? Maybe it's sometimes it's flesh, right? People just saying things. And so you can, you can tell from the context that Paul is trying to, bring the church back into order, because he said God is not the author of confusion. And the reason why is because in verse 32, and the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophets. And this is a, a, a verse that will help you uh, remove that mentality that, well, if God moves upon me, I have to yield to it. So if God moves upon me, I have to jump up and holler. or I have to do this or do that. And uh, that's telling you that, that what you're saying is, then, then the spirit, my spirit is not subject you know, to my will, uh, which is not what the Bible says, right? The spirit of the prophets, so their spirits are subject to the prophets. In other words, subject to, the, their, to their will. So in other words, you have a choice in the matter. You have a choice to yield to that spirit of prophecy. You have a choice not to yield to that spirit of prophecy. And, you know, why would God give you a, a message uh, that he didn't want you to speak out? You know, in in other words, why would he give you a message that you would then have to say by your will, I am not going to deliver that message at this point in time? Why would he do that? You'll have to ask him that question. I don't know why he would do that. But clearly he would do that because he's saying here that let the two or the most three speak of the prophets. So in other words, there could have been four or five that had messages. Might have been 10 or 20. Could have been 100 that had messages. Uh, But he said, just let a few. And the rest of them, let their will say, you know, there's already been enough of this going on. Uh, we'll we'll um, we'll just not will not continue down that path, uh, and you know why why the Lord does that I, you know I don't know, uh, but uh, but clearly, the Word of God is is a higher authority than the Spirit of God, and so we have to yield to the Word of God. So the Word of God says that you have a choice in the matter. Any time that you have an unction to give out a word from the Lord, or, or move by the Spirit of God, or do anything really by the Spirit of God, you always have a choice in the matter, uh, and you know I'm I'm known just in, uh, in ministering that there are times that the Lord desires for me to do stuff, right? Say something to somebody or do something. And I remember once years ago, I was ministering at another church and um, uh, the Lord gave me a word for somebody in the church. And, you know, this was an older gentleman that I respected highly. And, um, you know, I just, I, I, don't, I don't like the idea of being a showman you know what I'm saying being showy and you know you know swooping in and just you know giving a personal prophecy to everybody and then swooping out you know uh, I'm sure they're not that kind of fella and, and I just I just I didn't want I, you know I'm, I, and this may be hard for you to understand but I know I'm up front in the, in the pulpit and I know I'm speaking but I have no desire to be seen I, you know if you can understand my heart in that you know uh, I don't want this to be about me it's not intended to be about me and some ministers, you know, it, you wonder, well, is this about the Lord Jesus or is it about them? Uh, and so, you know, I didn't do anything about it. I didn't say, you know, and uh, about halfway through through the service, the Lord, he kind of rebuked me and, and, and said, you know, I told you to say those things. And, and you know, when he when he did it and I'm speaking. So but, you know, sometimes you, you have the capacity to speak, you know, out of your mind, but also your spirit is having another conversation with the Lord. Uh, and I got really embarrassed, you know, right there in the middle of the service, you know. I get all red-faced and, you know, probably, probably, probably uh, because, I mean, if you, the problem is uh, for me, you know, I could never be accused of any crime because I'd get, my, I'd get all embarrassed, even if I didn't do it, you know, they'd probably, well, he looks guilty, right? Uh, just because somebody would say something and, you know, you know, I think, I would think, well, what, what would I do if, if I was have to deny that? I get, sometimes I'll just, you know, just sitting there, I'll get all red-faced, you know, and so, um, but, um, uh, but then I I eventually yield to do it, amen, and so, uh, because you you have to he's not he 's not going to take over and possess you and make you say something, uh, and so for anybody who says you know i, I couldn 't help it, I just had to say it then they 're out of out of order from the Word of God right because the Bible says that the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets, and in the context paul's saying that 's a good thing right that means that you have a choice in the matter, and if it would be inappropriate at that point in time to say that uh, and, you know, it could be for a lot of reasons, right? It might have been the Lord gave you a message, but maybe the minister was just in a hurry to get to wherever he was going, right? Maybe he wanted to get through praise and worship and get right into a message, right? And he felt like that, that was the thing to do. And maybe the Lord wanted him to take 30 seconds in between there to allow a message. I don't know. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, it could be, now, I, I would I would encourage you, don't place blame on somebody because you're not anybody's judge, right? So don't say, well, pastor must be backslidden you know i've got this message from the lord and i can't give it out so he must be wrong well how do you know he's wrong maybe he's right maybe the lord gave you that message to see if you'll if you'll allow uh your spirit to to be in charge allow your will to be in charge uh you know he could be testing you to see what you're going to do in that situation uh, i mean i don't know. You, know you know that's between the lord and the lord right uh but uh, but don't place blame you know well you know this church won't won't use my gift I hear, I've heard people say things like that. That church won't use my gift. Uh, well, maybe your gift you know, needs to be checked at the door. I don't know. You know I mean, if every time you come in and, and, and you give uh, a prophecy that's, that's not really uh, all that, you know, I, you'd wonder about it. You know, I remember years ago after my, after my pastor passed away, the, there had been a guest minister that was scheduled to come, and we'd never had him before. Uh, and it was on a Sunday night service. And I just happened to be, happened to miss that particular service. I was traveling for work or something and wasn't able to be there. And I came back and the fellow had a personal prophecy for everybody in the church. You know, which is not, you know, I mean, just that alone doesn't um, negate what they say, right? Uh, it's unusual, I think, to have a personal prophecy for every single person in the church. It can happen. I don't make a law about it. But then I started asking, you know, what, what were they saying? And then I think you know, one fellow, he said, well, you're a pastor of pastors. And he wasn't even in the ministry yet. Uh, one lady, he said, uh, "He said you're a prophet to the nations. And she wasn't even in the ministry. I mean, how do you go from being uh, a housewife to a prophet to the nations, you know? Now, could God do that? Well, he, God can do anything He wants to. But, uh, you know, generally speaking, we find in the Word of God that nobody starts out from day one and becomes a prophet. You know, they progress into that, right? Paul started out as just a speaker, right? I mean, he was nobody in Acts chapter nine. But as soon as he got baptized with the Holy Ghost, there after Ananias laid his hands on him, he immediately started preaching. But he wasn't anything in, in the body of Christ. But then later on in Acts chapter thirteen, so four chapters later, so several years later, the Bible said that there, there were prophets and teachers there at the church at Antioch, uh, uh, ministering to the Lord. So at that point, Paul was was uh, had moved from being just Paul, uh, the uh, the guy from Tarsus to a prophet or teacher, and then the Lord promoted him to an apostle, right? So he became an apostle. So he moved from one position to the next. And the same thing with Philip, right? Philip started as a deacon. Uh, actually, he started as just a member of the church there at Jerusalem. Then he became a deacon. Then he became a an evangelist. So there's generally a progression that you see with people. They don't go from nothing to you know to a prophet to the nations, right so not just a prophet but a prophet to the nations, right so in the Old Testament, there was only really only one that I know of a prophet to the nations, multiple nations, and that was Jeremiah, right He was a prophet to the nation of Israel and to the to the nation of egypt uh, but the- ma- the majority of the prophets were prophets only to the nation of Israel uh, and so uh, there may have been others that were prophets to the nations, but uh, generally speaking, but they were already prophets right uh, and so uh, and you can see that you know whatever you are. You're that way from the day you get born again. I mean, the day you get born into the earth. You're, you've got that call of God on your life. You were called before the foundation of the world. Uh, and whatever gifts and calling are upon you, you can see that as people grow up, you know, even naturally, right? So you can say, well, that's, that's obviously their calling. Uh, if it's leadership or if it's do, doing certain things, uh, you can see that up, upon them. Uh, and so the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So, again, the purpose of this is because, in verse 33, God is not the author of confusion. So, uh, everything should be done uh, for uh, the purpose of edifying, and things should be done in order. That doesn't mean that you take all the, the um, spontaneity out of a service, but, you know, if it's spontaneous, there's still, there's still order to it, right? Well, this person doing it. I mean, if this person jumped up and started prophesying, and right in the middle of them prophesying, this person over here jumped up and started prophesying and talking over that person who was prophesying. Over, well, that would be confusion, wouldn't it? And so the person who, who, who gets the second prophecy should wait out of being polite, because that's what you learned in first in kindergarten, right? Be polite, you know, if others speaking, don't interrupt them. But sometimes people think, well, I have to do it. Well, why can't you wait till that person's done, right? Uh, and so... So there's no, there's, no, there's no biblical principle that, well, if I have a message, I have to give it out. There's no biblical principle for that at all is there. Now, there is a biblical principle for having messages, right? Because he talked about speaking in tongues as messages put to the public church. Uh, prophecies uh, that are public messages given to the, to the entire church. So, um, so the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So that means that in your life, your will is the highest authority in your life, right? Uh, and, and in a sense, it's even higher than the authority of the, the Lord Jesus, although we call him Lord, but you chose to yield to him, right? You choose to yield to him as your Lord. So uh, you get to choose to do that every day. Uh, and then he says, uh, let your women keep silent in the churches. And, you know, you can't preach enough about that, can you? Right. Uh, and so, of course, we don't preach a whole lot about that. But I wanted to finish this chapter because I think uh, including this here, this in this context is important because we need to understand what these verses are and why they're in there. So when it says, let your women keep silent in the churches, that verse has been used to silence all women in every church, right? Well, women aren't supposed to speak, you know, be quiet because you're a woman, which seems a little, I mean, odd to me because, uh, doesn't Galatians say that there's neither fail, uh, neither male nor female, right? June or Greek, right? Bond nor slave, or bond nor free. Uh, and so if there's neither male nor female, then why is the Lord specifically calling out females in his case? Right? Uh, let your women keep silent in the church. Well, the problem is we, we stop right there. We don't read the context of what's going on to find out what the what the what's going on, and then to, and to to understand the purpose of it. it. Says for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them uh, ask their husbands at home. For it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church. So now, uh, who who did he say to ask? To, for him, them to ask uh, what's going on? Ask their husbands, right? So now, is it all women or just, or, or is it a specific group of women? It's a, it's a group of women. Which group of women is he talking to? Married women, right? Because he said let them ask their what? Husbands at, at home, right? So do single women have husbands at home? Do widows have husbands at home? Do uh, teenage girls have husbands at home? So it's specifically, uh, in the context of this, it's specifically married women, right? So uh, so then that's why you have to understand what he's talking about here, because otherwise you make the law that no women can ever speak in a church. Well, that's not what he's saying right here. He's specifically talking to married women. Uh, and, and of course, married women are obviously the mouthiest women of all. That's why the, That's why he had to call them down here, right? So, you know, that's no uh, so what's going on well uh, so first of all before we get to what he's talking about so he's not talking about single women not talking about widows not talking about young ladies he's talking only about married women so if you're going to make a law but you only make a law for married women that sounds like god is being a respecter of persons right that god is picking up a woman who because she's married and has a ring on her finger then he's going to make a special rule just for them. Well, that doesn't really make a lot of sense, right? Because why would God be a respecter of a marriage license? Well, so the day before they get married, they're engaged, and they're getting married on, you know, on Monday, it's Sunday at church, the woman can get up and say something. But after she gets married on Monday, then she no longer can speak in the church. Does that even make any sense? Doesn't make any sense, right? But we make laws like that. Women do not should be speaking in church, right? Uh, and so, and we could go over the First Timothy and look at some other things there too. But I think the context of this—it's it's, First Timothy. If you read it the same way that we're reading uh, First Corinthians 14 here, you understand it's again talking about married women. Uh, and so, uh, it, it's a shame for women to speak in the church. Uh, and so, so what was going on? Well, of course, this is the Corinthian church, right? The Corinthian church was crazy people. They were—they were. It was things were way out of order. Things were just out of balance. And apparently. Uh, in uh, this church, the women were were uh, wanting to get a, a question. And you know, the the tradition was that women would sit apart from their their husbands. Right? To come to church, women would sit on this side of the church, men would sit on that side of the church. I don't know why. You know, just maybe they had cooties or something at church. You know, but I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of traditions that just show up out of nowhere. Right? The, the Lord never said to do that. Uh, and so. Uh, so they would want, be wondering what was going on. And, and so they would holler to their husband across the church. Hey, you know, husband, what's going on over here? Yeah, I don't understand. What, do you, do you, what verse did he just say? Uh, and, and so there was confusion, right? Uh, and if there's confusion, then what should you do? Get it back in order. Uh, and so, uh, and you know, I've seen, you ever seen when somebody just hollers out in the middle of a service, you know, it is shameful. Right? I mean, It's disrespectful. Uh, And I remember one time years ago we were at a church and there was a sound man back there and there was something wrong with the sound with a with a microphone or something, and the sound man just hollered at the pastor, "Hey, turn your mic on," you know, something like that, from way back in the sound booth, Uh, and and um, uh, you know I'm thinking that was so disrespectful, you know, I mean you could have done a signal, but it it would just all the attention left the left the minister went straight to the sound booth, right? Why? Because the sound man wanted the attention, right? And, and it really was shameful. I thought it was shameful that he would do something like that. And if women are, uh, are talking out of turn, uh, right in the middle of service, and asking their husband across the church what's going on, well, that would be disrespectful, and it would be shameful to do that, right? Uh, because some people, they, got no, they have no cooth at all. They've got no regard for anybody other than themselves in the entire world. Uh, and, you know, I say that a lot when I'm, you know, if I'm like driving down the road and, and you know, Somebody's in the fast lane and I'll just talk to them and say yep Nobody else in the world, but you aren't the buddy right because I mean, that's what people some some people think There's nobody else in the world besides them And they're completely oblivious to anything around it. you know, you're in a fast lane just moving along and there's somebody just now, I don't care how slow you drive you drive as for the slow as you want to right? Not, none of my business I could care less But if you're going to drive slow, that's what that's why they call it the slow lane, right? Then go over the slow lane, right? Uh, and so uh, but but see, some people have no regard for anybody else in the world, and, and a lot of times people will do that. You know, uh, I remember years ago, uh, this one this one lady in the church when I was with my pastor. There was she had a she had a strong need to do a complete manicure every time she was in church uh, with fingernail clippers, right? And your fingernail clippers, you can hear them when they click, right? Uh, and she'd clip her fingernails. You no, know, I mean. Where are those fingernails going? Uh, you know, I guess, are they going on the floor? You know, I mean, wow, what in the world? You know, I mean, would you do that at home? I mean, you know, don't you have a garbage can or anything like that? You know, you, I mean, really? I mean, and but no regard. And, you know, it was just it was like nails on a chalkboard to my pastor. And she did. you know, just, just one of the things that once you once you hear it, that's all you hear. Right. And so this went on for a long time, for a long period of time. Yeah. Church, you know, service after service, you know, it wouldn't necessarily every single service, but on a regular basis, she would do that. And finally one day he said, well, who, would, whoever is, is clipping their fingernails, would you please stop in the pulpit? And, and I have no problem with him doing it because it was so disrespectful. I mean, you, you know, rude. And, and, I, and I've seen people, you know, I mean, nobody around here is doing this now, but over the years I've had people, you know, uh, have to have water during their service, right? I think, you know, it's just it's 30 minutes. You can't last 30 minutes without a drink of water. But I mean, you know, okay, maybe get a dry throat, whatever's fine, right? But they don't get those plastic water bottles. Right, And then we'll just drink it. They'll just drink it. And, you know, then will just <laughs> like, like an emergency. Like if they don't guzzle all this water in 30 seconds or less, you know, they're going to just, you know, die of, of dehydration. And just crinkle it and make so much noise. And it's like, you know, there's other people in the world besides you. Now, I've never said anything about that, but I guess this is my word to the wise right now, right? Yeah. Uh, and and, uh, and um, but isn't that disrespectful? Yeah. See, that's shameful. And, and see, if that had been going on with Paul, he would say, uh, neither let anybody who has a plastic water bottle crinkle it during the service, dummy. I, he, you know, I added the dummy part, but but uh, because it's shameful. It it shows no regard for the spirit of God. It shows no regard for the minister at all. Right? You know, people talking during service, passing notes. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying like an emergency. I'm just saying you know, just not even paying attention. You know, I remember years ago we had a service and and, and uh, um, a couple of the teenagers were passing notes. But, you know, and they weren't paying any attention at all to the service. And, and they were so disrespectful, the Spirit of God just left. Now, I'm stuck up up front without the Spirit of God, you know, because you disrespect the Spirit of God, he'll leave. Now, he created the universe, but you disres- disrespect him, he'll leave. Uh, and and uh, I had to go back while they were drawing and, and making doodly uh, pictures, you know, to, to go, hey, you need to pay attention. I remember one time... Uh, uh, I was watching uh, Fred Price. Anybody remember Fred Price? You know He's passed now. Uh, Fred Price was a minister out of California um, and um, he was a pretty uh, plain spoken kind of fellow and uh, I always liked his, his ministry, but he had big, big round church, you know, big circular uh, auditorium there and thousands of people, right? Just thousands of people would be in the services and televise it and some guy was sleeping in the service, you know. Now look, I mean, I know things happen. You're tired at work, you know. But there wasn't much mercy with Fred sometimes, you know. He went up there and smacked him. You know, hey, wake up. He said, there's people outside trying to get in the service, can't get in here, And you're taking the s- seat sleeping, you know, uh, and on national TV. <laughs> uh, now, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to be so hard. I mean, I, have you ever been tired in the service? I've been tired in plenty of services, you know, and and, um, uh, and I mean, they could be preaching the wallpaper off the walls, and you're still tired, you know, you just can't focus sometimes, you know. So, I mean, I'm going to have mercy on that, you know. Uh, but um, uh, but I did have one person one time, uh, they came out all the way up to the front seat, front row of the, of the church, and about halfway through the church, ha- halfway through the service, they reached down in their purse, and they got them big, you know, don't, you know, those big black glaucoma glasses you wear sometimes, right? they big black... And they, got, and they put them on, and they immediately just put their head down and fell asleep the rest of the service. Now, if you're planning on going to sleep, you know, don't come in the front row. It's distracting to me, right? I mean, if you're planning on going to sleep, just go to the back row and get a pillow and a blanket or something. I don't know, but I mean, that's disrespectful, right? I mean, to, to plan to plan it out, well, I'm going to get some, some, I think we've got one asleep back here right now, right? So, uh <laughs> And so, uh, but, they, but they did that, you know, and so, you know, and I don't it's none. I mean, I don't know, maybe they skipped kindergarten or something. But so what Paul's trying to do, he's trying to bring order into the church. Uh, and so is it a law that women are never allowed to speak? It's not a law, it's, it's women are never allowed to speak if they're going to be disruptive. Now, if it had been men doing that, you know what Paul would have said? You know, it, it, then uh, uh, women should keep silent or men should keep silent in the church. If they need to ask anything, ask their wives at home. Isn't uh, that what he says? Uh, ask their husbands at home. So, so if you're going to make a law, it's only for married women. It's not for single women, not for widows, not for engaged women, not for young ladies. Uh, it's only for married women, which doesn't make any sense, right? Unless you look at the context of it, and then it does make sense. So if married women are being mouthy, then we would say, all you married women, you need to be quiet. Uh, If it it was single women, all being mouthy, then we'd say, all you single women, you need to be quiet. Uh, uh, We're not going to have this being spoken, right? Uh, It's a a shame for women to speak in the church. Uh, But again, the context of that is married women, right? Say what came the word of God out from you or came, uh, came out from you or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him uh, let him be ignorant. Uh, You know that that's a pretty good, uh, uh, captain, obvious statement, right? If anyone be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Uh, He said, "Wherefore, brethren, uh, covet the prophesy and forbid not to speak with other tongues." Uh, You know that particular verse there. um, We've looked at it uh, uh, in the context of all the times, the three different times that the Lord in this in this part of First Corinthians has instructed the church to covet the, the supernatural move of God, right? So to covet means to desire, amen? Now, normally we use the word covet in a negative sense, right? Don't covet your neighbor's wife, right? In other words, don't desire something that doesn't belong to you. But in this case, he's telling us to desire, to to if you don't have a desire, then add this desire to your life. Lord, we desire for prophecy to be in operation in our church. Isn't that what he says? Covet the prophesy. We desire for there to be a sudden inspiration of words spoken by the Holy Ghost in our church. And that can be done either from the pulpit or it can be done by individuals. And whether it's done from the pulpit or whether it's done by individuals, the goal should be for edification, exhortation, and comfort. So generally speaking, prophesying in the church service, if it's from somebody other than the pulpit, should not be correction. So if you have a word from the Lord and say, Oh, you you know low down dirty you know, scumbags in a church you all need to straighten up and repent right now that is generally not something the Lord is going to do uh, in the in the congregation he's not going to because he said earlier that prophesying is for the purpose of edification exhortation and comfort right and so to build up or to encourage to, to go on impressing with the Lord uh, or to comfort you know uh, those who need comforting uh, and so uh, but a lot of times people prophesy and it's harsh you ever uh, you know I remember years ago there, there, one of the praise and worship uh, members uh, at their church and, we, and there was like 20 people on the team right so you don't know who I'm talking about but uh, you know they love the Lord so much but sometimes people love the Lord so much that they think if you don't love the Lord as much as I do you're, you're a horrible person and so the, instead of encouraging everybody hey you know love the Lord they'd be like you all need to love God more and it felt like a rebuke every time you know they get their microphone and you know, you don't love God enough. You know, if you're, not, if you're not raising your hands 23 hours a day, you're just wrong, you know, and just stuff like that. You know, just, just harsh, you know, and, 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 and uh, uh, not edifying at all, right? And, and not exhorting at all, you know. Isn't God worthy to be worshipped? That's edifying, right? Uh, you know, let's worship God now. That's edifying. Uh, but uh, you're not worshipping God enough. That's, that's correcting, right? That's rebuking. Uh, and they would do that all the time, you know, just... Uh, and, and it got to where, like... Every time they they start to encourage people or, you know, step out and say things, you know, be like duck, you know, here it comes, you know, because it'd be just a a cross word, you know, some some harsh word towards us, you know. Uh, And and I remember there was a there was one fellow every time he he would substitute for the pastor, you know, pastor traveling or something. And uh, he was an evangelist. But every time he got up, I mean, he just just shear the sheep, skewer us, fillet us, you know cut and dice us, and, I mean, how terrible we are and sorry we're, we were. Uh, and finally, somebody went to the pastor and said, um, could you have somebody else do it next time? Because he's so harsh. You know, if you're, not, if you're not praying 18 hours a day, you're just backslid. You don't even love God. I mean, just stuff like that, right? Uh, and I would encourage you, you know, if, if the Lord encourages you to do something, whatever that something is, uh, if it's not in the, in specifically in the Bible that we should all do, like walk in love, and maybe the Lord may, may encourage you. Hey, you need to walk in love more. Well, fine. You know, hey, we all need to walk in love more. That's fine. That's in the Word of God. But He may tell you, hey, you need to get up at five thirty every morning and pray for at least an hour. Well, is there anything in the Bible that says you got to get up at five thirty specifically? Five thirty. I know David said in you know, the morning and evening, you know. But I mean, Jesus did. Sometimes he get up early and go pray. He did. Sometimes he just say he late, spent late at night praying, right? Sometimes he prayed all through the night. So he started in the evening and ended up in the morning. So. Uh, is there any law about when you should pray, when you, when you should do that? Some people, you know, just adamant. You've got to do it the first thing in the morning. Um, and, and, you know, and I have no problem with that. But when you get up and say, if I'm doing that, therefore you should. But it's not book, chapter, and verse. So you can't demand that people do in their lives what the Lord instructed you to do in your life if it's not Bible, right? It, it, other Because if he instructed you to do something in your life that's not that's not defined in the bible right it's still good right i like get up every morning at five thirty and pray that's not defined in the bible right so you can't use that as doctrine to to demand that everybody else does that because that's out of order it's the will of god for your life but it's not necessarily the will of god for everybody's life now walking in love is covered in the bible therefore it's the will of god for all of us to walk in love amen so so uh again uh you've got to be careful uh in uh when it, when you're encouraging people or when you're stepping out be use of the Lord uh, is what I'm saying. Uh, does it meet those three qualifications? Right, either edification, either exhortation, or comfort it has to be one of those three things. And if it's not one of those three things, maybe you just got a thorn in your craw. Maybe you got mad because you, you know, you're raising your hands, but you know the people on your row, nobody else on the on the row is raising their hands. You get up, you people need to raise your hands. You know, don't be ashamed of God. If you're ashamed of God, he's you're, you know, uh, then he's going to be ashamed of you. I mean, just now, is that going to encourage? Oh, Okay, then I'm, I feel like raising my hand more now. Don't is that? Do you feel more like raising your hand after somebody rebukes you like that? Well, I know uh, because speaking by sudden inspiration should result in one of those three things. Now, look, I understand you could say walk in love, and somebody's going to get mad, uh, and you can't help that, right? I mean, sometimes you say things, and people don't like. No matter how nice you are, people are going to get upset about it, right? Uh, and. and um, uh, uh, you know, I told you about the time that I was up speaking and, and our church had a really bad habit that when people left the church, man, we would gossip about them. We would stab them in the back. We would say things against them. I mean, we were just mean about it, you know, just, uh, I remember one person left the church and then someone said, yeah, I saw so-and-so in town. Man, they look so old. And then someone else piped in, yeah, well, that's what sin does to you. Well, I mean, wow. I mean, maybe their dog just died, right? Maybe they just found out that, you know, that the letter they got in the mail that said they won a million dollars from letters to, uh publisher's clearinghouse was a fraud. They really didn't get a million dollars. I mean, who knows what happened, right? Maybe, maybe they're, they're, um, uh, you know, uh, all their tomatoes died or eaten by, by a rabbit or something. You know, who knows what the... I mean, it could have been nothing. But yeah, that's what happens when you get old. I mean, that's what happens when you're sent. You know, And they said that because they had left the church. My, and I was so grieved. I mean, it's like... Because I knew these people for years and they were just this super nice people And yeah, they left the church, but I don't know how they left the church. As far as I could tell, they never called me. As far as I know, they never sowed any discord on the way out. You know, if you sow discord, you know, you're of the devil, right? If you sow discord, people leave a church and call up other people at church. Hey, you need to leave that church too. That's devilish. And I know people do that, but it's still devilish, right? If the Lord tells you to leave the church, then you leave the church and you leave it at that. You let the Lord deal with the rest of it, right? It's not your job to be the sheriff of the body of Christ. Uh, and, and he may have told you to leave the church because you're so stiff-necked and hard-hearted that you won't listen to anything, right? So, you know, don't don't think that just because the Lord told you to leave the church that it's because you're right, amen? I mean, he may have told you to leave the church because you're going to ruin the church if you stay. Uh, and so don't be all high and mighty just because the Lord tells you to leave a church, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so we, we had that bad tendency, and so, you know, I've been in a church for nearly 20 years, uh, and um, uh, they, you know, my pastor had, uh, uh, I think this was, Uh, Yeah, this was before he passed. And um, uh, so I get up and felt led to speak on love and mercy, which is two pretty good things to do, right? I mean, everybody loves love and mercy. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, when people leave the church, we don't walk in love. And we show no mercy to them. So we stab in the back, we talk about them, we gossip about them. And I said, we, because I had done that. Now I had repented, you know, a long time before that message. Because uh, when I observed that, you know, that, that's not right. They, they've not done anything to me personally. And I don't know why they left the church. You know, it could have been a lot of things. They couldn't they, they could, could you leave a church and be out of the will of God? Sure. Could you leave the church and be in the will of God? As far as I know, you kid, you know, I don't see why you couldn't, right? Uh, and so for me to say they left and they were wrong would, would be for me to stand in the position of judge of their life. And I am not anybody's judge. You know, and I know. You know, sometimes people leave the church. And I know, well, you know, Lord, I believe they should have stayed, right? But I told you about the the one person that left the church, and, and years went by, and and just meditated on that. Said, Lord, why did they leave the church? And That's when the Lord said they they, they ran out of their toes, right? I Stepped on their toes so many times, and they never would repent and change. Yeah, and see, you know, I'm, generally speaking, I'm a pretty nice fellow up here, right? Uh, you know, but but the word of God, it, it will convict you. And if you say, you need to walk in love, and just in that very moment you have not been walking in love, you know a lot of times the Lord will have me say something that, that the words themselves are very generic uh, and not very confrontational, but many times it's the exact same thing you were doing, right? Because they came up to me many times and said, were you, did you have a camera in my house? How did you know I said those exact same things, right? Those exact words. Uh, well, that's, that's the spirit of prophecy, right? Now, they were kind words, but sometimes if, if you're busted... By the Spirit of God, you know, it's embarrassing to you, and it hurts your feelings, even if nobody else knows about it. And you know about it, but you know about it. You know, it hurts your feelings sometimes, and, and, uh, and, and it is embarrassing. Now, the correct response would be, well, yeah, then, Lord, I need to repent. That's the correct response, right? The incorrect response is, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving the church. Why well, would you leave a church if the Spirit of God was kind enough to speak to your specific problem to help you? You know, it did not make any sense. I mean, you would want to go to that church. Wouldn't you want to go to that church? I would want to go to that church. You know, I wouldn't want to go to church. I never heard anything from the Lord ever. Uh, And so, but you know, right in the middle of it, you know, someone stood up and said, they stood up, right? They sat on second row uh, on the aisle, stood up. Said, we don't do that. And, And they were a ringleader as much as anybody else. And I heard them many times do that very thing. Run people down. That very person that said that, I heard him with my own eye, own ears many times do that very thing. Run people down that had left the church. Uh, and, the, and, and the sad part is, you know, we eventually did leave that church. You know who was the first one to stop speaking to me? That, that fella right there. Their kids could no longer play with my kids. We live, you know, five houses away. Yeah, sorry, they're busy forever. You know, no, they can't come over uh, like ever you know, they're, they're busy till they graduate college. You know, well, they weren't busy yesterday when we were still members in good standing of the church there. Uh, and so, so, you know, there's a lot of things that people say is prophecy. See, see uh, he probably thinks even to this day that he stood up to rebuke me. Well, how do you rebuke love and mercy? In what way could you possibly rebuke? Now, see, the problem with that is uh they had no regard for the pulpit see this pulpit to me is is holy you know this is where the spirit of God comes to to every service I believe every single service the spirit of God will come into this this two foot by two foot square and prophesy to you all every service to assist you and to bless you and to increase your life and to cause you to grow up in the Lord and to be uh, 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 to to be uh, blessed in, in knowledge and blessed in spirit and blessed in in, in, in revelation. Uh, it's holy. I I, I count it a holy thing to be in this pulpit, uh, uh, and for someone to do that says, I disregard anything going on in this pulpit. That what what's going on here is not holy and, and it's common uh, and it's unclean. Uh, now, if I had been saying Jesus wasn't Lord. The Holy Ghost doesn't heal anymore. I mean, just crazy, you no know, doctrine that's not even biblical. Maybe they would have a right to do that. Maybe because did David attack Solomon or uh, Saul when he was wrong? No, Saul was the authority, and David always honored the authority, even when he was wrong. Now I'm not saying he was right or not, but but from the way I see it, is if what I'm doing is wrong in this in this pulpit, the Lord Jesus is plenty capable of taking care of it. Amen. And and he will speak to you individually to either come talk to me in private or just have you to leave. And I believe he's plenty capable of doing that. But for you to usurp see see the authority in this service resides in this pulpit, right? It doesn't reside in me, it results in this pulpit, right? And for you to stand up and rebuke the minister, that means you're usurping or taking authority that doesn't belong to you. Now, you know, again, if if uh, you know, something crazy was going on and even but even that, I mean I don't know what scenario I would see that that happening. Now, if I was the pastor, right, and the guest minister was up here, I'm still the highest authority in the church, right? And if he's doing up here, you know, doing crazy things, then, well, okay, then the pastor can stand up and, and take care of it. But, um, but see, that person right there showed that they don't even know anything about the Spirit of God. Now, they thought they did, right? They thought they were rebuking me, but I'm teaching on love and mercy. Uh, and, and I don't know how... Uh, and, and the thing is that they knew they had done that, and they knew that we as a church were, were terrible about that. I mean, you were at the same church I was. you know, they, they, We were terrible about that, weren't we? They leave the church and just run them down. Oh, I remember one time they said about one person left the church, they never were any helping around here anyway. Now, the person that left uh, ran, the whole youth, ran the whole youth ministry, was on, on the praise and worship team, uh, helped every time there was stuff to be, to be done at the church, uh, a big help to the church. And they left because they got their feelings hurt. And maybe the Lord told them to leave. You know, I, you know, I never have really talked about it. But, but it was completely untrue to say they were never any help anyway. I mean, that's such a lie. Never any help anyway. Uh, and, and it was necessary for people in the church to do that to make themselves feel good. And, and Brother Hagin always said, you can't, put your, make, you can't make your light any brighter by putting somebody else's out. Uh, and a lot of people felt like, you know, they had to run everybody down that left the church. And so I was trying to help them. You know, my goal was to help the church because, you know, sometimes a church can, can get a personality that's out of, uh, out of alignment with the word of God, right? Uh, you know, just like if, if all we ever did was just like the church here in, in Corinthians, all they did was swing from the chandeliers, right? Prophesy all the time, speaking tongues all the time. Well, that's a personality that got into the church, right? Remember, remember we've been reading... Uh, in in the book of revelation uh, on sunday mornings about you have a name that you're alive but you're dead right so jesus was saying you have a reputation you have a specific kind of reputation that you're the wild church but there's no life in what you're doing well a lot of churches can get that mentality get a get a personality that needs to be adjusted amen you know you i mean if your personality is hey that's the church that walks in love well, that's a good personality right That's a church where if if you're wounded and hurt, you can go and and they'll help you. Right. That's that's okay, Right. But uh, but to have a a personality uh, that um, you burn everybody who leaves the church, not really a good personality. Right. (laughs) And so those things need to be adjusted. Amen. Uh, And they can only be adjusted typically from the pulpit. And I was trying to help him. In fact, after my pastor died, the Lord showed me uh, that we had a small window of opportunity as a ministry. Right. A small window of opportunity to correct some things that. You know, my pastor had gotten out of alignment in, right? Because if the whole church is talking bad about somebody who leaves the church, well, that comes from the top, right? Generally, the personality of the ministry comes from the top. And so if it's out of order, then you have to address things from the top, right? Uh, And so my pastor had gone home to be with the Lord, and the Lord desired to to adjust. Now, there's plenty of good things my pastor did that we kept, that we should have kept. But there are some things like that mentality of if somebody leaves a church, we burn them, we talk about them, we gossip about them, we run them down, t- say they were never any help, lie on them. You know, basically, that's a lie, right? Uh, well, that needed to be adjusted. And the Lord showed me we have a small window. And so I was telling somebody else about that in the in the church. that the, 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 That's what the Lord said. Oh, that ain't so. Well, within months, they had gotten, they doubled up. I mean, it was bad enough when the pastor was alive, but after, he, after several months, when they chose not to yield to the spirit of repentance that the Lord wanted to, to sweep through the church and to make some adjustments there, it always gets worse. Uh, and so they doubled up on it, made it even worse. In fact, you know, we left, and, and then a year later, we started our own church, and they would talk about our church. Well, they called our church the unclean church. <laughs> now, they never had been in our church, but they called our church unclean. Well, see, that's twice as bad as what my pastor had done when he was alive, right? And as far as I know, they still think we're unclean, you know. So, uh, and that's fine because when we get to heaven, they'd be like, "Wow, I didn't think you'd make it. Yeah, I made it. You know, we're gonna we'll make it, and, and it'd be good to see him there too, right?" Uh, and so, uh, so we should covet the prophesy. So, you know, around here, part of my responsibility. Because he said the very last thing there, he says, let all things be done decently and in order. So the decently or properly and in order is really part of my responsibility as the as the head of this ministry. Right. As the head of the service, you know, in any particular service, my job is to make things sure things are done decently in order. That doesn't mean things that are that that we don't allow the spirit of God to move. Right. It, It would be perfectly fine for the spirit of God to move perfect fine people run around the church i mean nothing wrong with any of that stuff swing from the chandeliers you know for all i care right uh, but i remember one one pastor was asking uh it was at his church and he was asking another minister i just happened to be uh in the conversation they said well we one service we had this woman she got down the floor started slithering like a snake she slithered under all all of the uh chairs right and came up to the to the uh to the front you know what, what about that <laughs> the other guy's like Rebuke that sounds like a devil to me because that would sound like, you know, slithering like a snake. That sounds really devilish to me. Right. And of course, uh, the uh, part of the part of the uh, uh, need in the in the ministry is to have some authority. Right. Uh, Because it's it's there's a struggle all the time. Well, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And if you rebuke that lady, say, hey, get up off the ground, you devil. That might hurt, might hurt their feelings. I don't know. You know. I mean. You know. It depends on what kind of person she was. But more than likely, it would have hurt her feelings. But you know, you could have just, said, hey, you know, you, you need to get up. But still, even that. I mean, you'd have to address that, right? Uh, you know. I mean, if it happened once, and you'd be like, wow, what just happened, right? Maybe, maybe. You know. Maybe you might not deal with it immediately, but if it happened a second time, I mean, you'd have to deal with it, right? Uh, because there's just some things that are just not God. But people will do that, right? People will take advantage and they'll bring in in mysticism and and eastern culture and and and, uh uh, long before i was with my pastor i remember they were talking about this one one guest minister they had uh and, and uh they said okay everybody just breathe in put your hands together and then chant something and then breathe out and that's all your emotions going out right that's well that's mysticism right it might be yoga i don't know but it tends to be mysticism right Uh, And you get into Eastern, you know, uh, Eastern religions and that stuff creeps in the church. Well, the pastor had to rebuke that, stop that right then and there, right? And then uh, one time somebody was praying for my pastor and said, "Ah, God's going to strengthen you to carry all the boatloads or the the, uh, uh, train car loads of burdens in your life. He said, I ain't got no train loads of burdens. You know, uh, his yoke is easy and his burden is light, right? So that's not biblical at all, but it sounds good, doesn't it? It preaches good. Oh, God's going strength, to strengthen me to carry the boatloads of, of worries and cares I've got in my life. Is God going to do that? No, because number one, he said, cast your cares upon him. So you're out of order if you're carrying boatloads of worry and cares, right? You're, you're in, in rebellion against the word of God and you need to repent. It really is what you need to do, right? According to the word of God. So if you've got boatloads of worries and cares, you go home and do some repenting, right? Uh, and so let all things be done decently and in order. And that's, so that's really the responsibility of the minister to make sure things are decently and in order. I remember years ago, uh, we had one of these wild services, you know, and again, wild services are wrong, but this one fella, I don't know what in the world, you know, he got up and so he's standing on the, over here. And so it's kind of like a runway all the way across here. And, and he, and he, and so he said, I just, I feel like I need to, uh, run and and jump over somebody and it was really weird and you know some but sometimes you know people out of zeal and just desire to do something will desire to do something it may not be god they just i gotta do something you know and so they just kind of make up something and so they're not terrible people they're just immature and they kept on saying that and finally the pastor said well let's let's move on let's do something else you know he was very very cordial about it so the person didn't run and jump over anybody you know, I mean, I was like a cow over the moon or what, but, but, uh, but it, it was, and we were all, you know, we're all watching this, right? Uh, and I'm I'm thinking, how's he going to get out of this? How's the pastor going to get out of this? Because it's his job to make sure things are done decently and in an order, right? Now, before that, we were running around the church, you know, hooping and hollering, dancing the Holy Ghost. All that was fine until, you know, the man wanted to jump over the moon, right? And then after that, it's okay. That's getting a little weird, right? Now we're getting weird. What's well, a leapfrog? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It was just. But, you know, that's just zeal sometimes is not very not very wise, right? Uh, and, you know, the Lord will put up with a little bit of, of carnality if your heart's right. You know, it's not a big deal. I mean, don't, if you just rebuke everybody for every little thing, everybody's going to be in so much fear to try anything. They're not going to do anything, right? So, you know, you allow a little bit of flesh sometimes. As long as people's hearts are right. Now, if they're trying to gain glory and attention, you got to shut that down, right? So, uh, but... But the pastor, I thought, he, man, he was smooth. It was, I mean, he did a good job of just kind of, you know, just move out over here and we'll just do something else for now, you know. And the guy never jumped over the moon and, and, and nobody got hurt, right? So, uh, so everything should be done decently in order. Now, that would allow speaking in tongues. That's allowing prophesying. That's allowing running around the church. That's allowing dancing in the Holy Ghost. All those things can be done decently in order, right? It's just when things, when the glory starts being uh, taken away from God and being put on man, that's when things are out of order, Right? Uh, and uh, and again, that's not always because people are terrible people. Sometimes they just, they don't know. You know, they they get excited, and they want to do something, you know. Well, let's, you know, let's do something right now, right? And, and, and so uh, it, it's uh, uh, all is well, amen? So I just wanted to finish up that chapter there because I, I thought it'd be helpful to go through that, especially, you know, ab- about the, uh, the women keeping silence in the church, you know. Uh, And again, there's no laws in the New Testament. So the keep in silence is if they're out of order, they need to keep silent, right? If you just can't not take over the the service, then you need to be quiet. Uh, And that's really what he's telling, right? If you can't not change the course and direction of the service, you know, I mean, just just like, you know, when I was doing jail ministry, people just raised their hand. You know, we're talking about whatever, right? Uh, How to get born again. And they say like, uh, what about Adam's belly button? What's, what's that got to do with anything, right? Just change, you know, the course and direction. So, so uh, my job is to make sure things are done decently and in order. Uh, but in that, you know, we want to have a, a, a lot of uh, freedom to worship the Lord, amen? Uh, and I believe we will and we can, amen? So, so we'll finish up the chapter 14 there and then uh, we'll continue on with, uh, uh, we've got just a couple more things. I, I we'll see if we'll do it or not uh, about speaking in tongues that I think will be helpful just kind of summarize it, but, uh, uh, but I like chapter 14. It's, it puts things in order uh, without making a law. Uh, order can be done without having to write a bunch of laws. Uh, and, and you know, you ever notice that like parents, something will happen uh, and uh, you know, somebody be riding a bike, you know, okay, nobody, uh, something happens and okay, nobody can ride a bike anymore. Well, what do they do? They wrote a law. Same thing at work. I mean, I can't tell you how many laws, you know, I remember one of the guys that worked for me, he ran over something in the, on the highway in one of the car, uh, rental cars. Uh, the, the company had bought some cars you know, that the, the employees could use to, to travel between offices. But one time he ran over something and had to have insurance claim and everything, right? And so the lady in charge said, okay, you can't use any of these cars anymore. This is the stupidest thing. He it wasn't even his fault. But she made a law. And, and, and as human beings, if things happen in church, a lot of times, okay, nobody can do that anymore. Why don't you just address that thing? with that person right now if the, if the thing itself was just wrong and nobody should ever do that fine but i mean you can't say nobody can use these cards because then, you know or like a kid a kid gets too one child gets too loud okay from now on all the kids have to wear muzzles you know because you know one, one child was too loud right i mean just just silly things like that right then then um, I'm, I'm for one to make as few laws as i possibly can and really none if i, if I can get away with it uh, and just address the situation amen And so let's pray and thank the Lord for His word today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that there's wisdom and and guidance and instruction in your word. And, Father, we choose to follow your word above all else. And we thank you, Father, that there's grace and peace in your word, Father. We thank you that it uh, uh, is full of revelation and insight and wisdom. And we thank you for these things, Father. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. So all you women get to, get to straighten up, right? Uh, and um, you notice he didn't say anything about men, so we can talk all we want to, right? Uh, and so, uh, and uh, what's that? As long as it's in the right perspective, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, and really, for the women too, as long as what the women are saying is fine, then it's okay for women to speak, right? I mean, Paul's not making a law. But how many, law, I mean, how many churches have you heard make laws about that? But if they're going to make an accurate law, it needs to be only married women, right? That's with you. if you're going to do if you're going to do the, the law, then do the law, you know. But a lot of times they expand it. Well, it's married women, but it's probably all women too. You just all of women, just you know. That's when you when you write more laws than God writes, you know, you're somebody else, right? And so, <laughs> so anyway, praise God. Uh, well, yeah, they all think it be done decently in order, right? So if a woman could speak decently in an order, which is nearly impossible, I know, but if they could. <laughs> If they could possibly do it, it'd be okay, right? Now, it's never happened ever, right? But, uh, <laughs> but I, in theory, it could happen, right? And so uh, we will allow that theory to happen on occasion, right? Uh, and so praise God. Well, let, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering and, and uh, just thank the Lord for being a blessing to us, amen? Uh, and so Jared, come ahead and receive the offering. And, you know, uh, I know we've talked about... Um, uh, Uh, women in the church and uh, brother Hagen wrote a book uh, years ago called the woman question, you know, what about women in the church? Right. And he spent the whole book talking about it and and going through these verses, just like we're going through here uh, and address the issue. And, you know, he came to the same conclusion I did. There's no law in the Bible. It's, you know, there's a lawful mouthy women, just like there's a lawful mouthy men. Uh, Don't do it. Right. It should be done decently in order. And so, but there's a lot of controversy in the the church about that. You know, I know uh, before we go uh, this one fellow came to the church one time, just visiting during the week. Uh, and the first question he asked me wasn't like, you know, what do you believe about salvation, about Jesus, you know, blood of Jesus. He said, do you believe in women ministers? That was his first question. like, and, and so, you know, sometimes I'm kind of smart aleck. You know, I said, you mean like, do they exist or not? Uh, you know, I know what he meant, right? But, uh, but you know, no, you know, I mean, should, should they be allowed to be have women ministers? You mean like Deborah? You mean like uh, 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 Philip's four daughters that prophesied, Right. Like Mary, who was the first one to preach the gospel? You mean like those women ministers, right? Are you asking me if I believe in those, right? Or Phoebe, like in in Romans chapter 16? Uh, You mean like those, right? There's what you're talking about, right? The ones that are in the Bible, literally in the Bible, right? Yeah. Yeah, I believe in them. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, praise God. Uh, You all have a blessed week, and the Lord will see you on Sunday, or see you Friday night, right? And then Sunday.